Welcome to Shift with CJ. I'm your host CJ and together we will explore the areas of health, human performance, biohacking, psychology and much more that will inspire you to become the best version of yourself. Welcome everyone to the Shift with CJ podcast. Today on the podcast we're going to dive deep into the realm of healing, transformation and the incredible power of our human mind and our body. As always, my name is CJ and I'm your host and I'm thrilled to bring to you a special guest today. Our guest on the show is not just a healer, he's a beacon of hope for anyone who's suffering from chronic pain and he has a unique gift where he's on this mission to get rid of other people's struggles, to bring in things like joy, gratitude, boundless energy into people's lives. So are you ready to unlock those secrets? Joining today on the Shift CJ podcast is Joshua Cameron. Joshua, welcome to the show. Oh man, hey, that was a great introduction. I love that. You know, you can talk about me all day long if you want. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it sounds good. <laughs> yeah, hey, I really appreciate you holding the space, right? I think this will be a great conversation. I'm looking forward to this conversation and thank you for joining us. So Joshua, with most of the people that I've interviewed on the show and most of the people that I meet in life, when they go deep into something, it's normally a consequence of something that has happened in their own personal life. So tell us a bit about your life and, you know, how did you get to this point where you're now helping others? Mm, yeah, it's a great question. And uh, I mean, you're right. You know, usually what is that ball and chain that's dragging, you know, behind us is ultimately what we can alchemize to become, you know, our greatest strength, right? Our greatest weakness becomes our greatest strength. And, you know, I was born into a family that uh, didn't really know love. There's a lot of uh, alcoholism, a lot of violence, a lot of verbal violence, a lot of physical violence. And it made me feel like I was unworthy. It made me feel like I deserved you know, the, you know, the, the damaging words, the damaging fists, right? The abuse that I got. And it taught me not to trust myself, right? Because every time I turn around, I'd be basically told that I was stupid. So anytime I have a thought, I'd be told I was stupid. So it, it put me in a place where I collected what I called evidence that, you know, my intuition was tied to a bunch of stupidity. That was a really hard way to live because then it'd be like, you know, I effectively be in a place where, you know, CJ, tell me who I am. Mm. And that's a hard way to live, right? Because we're the one who lives inside of our own skin, right? We're the ones who should know the most about ourselves. And if we're looking to others to tell us who we are, well, that's a that's a big warning sign. You know, I wasn't, you know, aware enough to, to realize that. And so, you know, I didn't want to be a loser. You know, as I was growing up, everyone's saying, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? You know, I said, hey, I want to be a marine biologist. People would be like, that's dumb. You ain't going to make any money doing that. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, well, I guess I'm out. Of, I guess I'm out of ideas. And so my brother and his wife were in the army at the time. And then it was, what are you going to do when you grow up, Josh? Join the army. What are you going to do when you, when you grow up, Josh? Join the army. What are you going to do when you grow up, Josh? Join the army. I say, like, oh, I guess I'll join the army. Mm -hmm. So I did at 19. And uh, it certainly had some, you know, some ups certainly had a lot of downs and, you know, eight days before, you know, September 11th happened, you know, here in the U S for those who, you know, I'm sure you're aware, but if you, if you aren't, you know, September 11th, there were, you know, planes that crashed into the twin towers in New York 
you know, we then mobilized you know, the military as a way to wage war against Afghanistan. Um, pretty sad, a pretty gross event, you know, and the way that we responded. But, um, you know, uh, I went to my first war zone eight days after that happened. So that was really strange, right? It was the largest attack that's ever happened on U.S. soil. And then, uh, you know, less than a year later, after I got back, went to Kuwait and Iraq, and, which again was another gross, you know, uh, overreaction uh, by the U.S., you know, and unjustified war. But, you know, so it's, you know, you know the soldiers, you know, are also victims as well as you know, the civilians, right, really. And that was hard for me. You know, I worked in a hospital, saw a lot of things I couldn't unsee. And, you know, I ended up getting, you know, married uh, twice, ruined both those marriages because I didn't, you know, again, I didn't know who I was. And so here I was, you know, racked with, you know, abuse, racked with PTSD. And so I came to the world as a, basically a half circle. And there's this movie, you know, that Tom uh, Cruise is in and it's called Jerry Maguire. And this part where, you know, he you know, sees this woman he's in love with and says, you complete me as if he's a half circle, she's a half circle and together they make a full circle. But what I realized is that if you're a half circle and somebody else is a half circle, the best you can ever be is two half circles. Because the second that that other half circle no longer is contributing to, you know, what you expect of them, well, there's going to be a lot of resentment. In a lot of animosity and if we don't know who we are well we're not really going to have the wherewithal to be able to deal with that and you know being somebody who effectively still just a hurt little kid inside a grown man's body caused a lot of problems and you know eventually you know i was working in a hospital and you know worked in you know various hospitals around uh, the u.s as well as you know in the military and you know for about 12 years you know worked in medical pediatric medical research and the pandemic happened and I already had, uh, I mean, I've been studying philosophy for decades. And so I saw the, you know, the great power of, you know, of Plato, of Nietzsche, of Aristotle, of, you know, um, Ken Wilber, you know, Cornell West and, you know, Jordan Peterson. And then when the pandemic happened is when I really got thrust into a spiritual, um, a spiritual path. And that's where everything clicked because right? the, the philosophy was all about, the power of the mind and how brilliant the mind can be by using logic is from what I saw. The spiritual path showed me that when you quiet the mind and you tune into the truth of the heart, well, the heart connects to the soul and the soul is what's, you know, can connect to that, you know, infinite awareness, infinite, you know, intelligence. And when that happens, well, then things start to get a little weird because then you're, you start to tap into energies and abilities that you didn't even know existed. And that happened pretty rapidly for me. You know, there's this idea of by Carl Jung, you know, the famous, you know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, psychologist. And, you know, the lower the hell, the higher the heaven, almost like you are a slingshot. And as a slingshot, you're being pulled back and pulled back and pulled back and pulled back. And the further back you're pulled, well, once you release, well, you're going to rock it off. And so if you are in a terrible place for a long time, you might find that the second you release that, everything starts changing rapidly. And uh, it certainly did for me. And that's really the start of me really walking into these abilities 
without really understanding what I was doing, who I was attracting to my life. And, you know, they say, you know, when the student is ready, the master will appear. And I had two of them appear in order to help guide me. Mm -hmm. That's impressive. And that's like a very interesting story. Thank you for sharing that with us. It's, um, was, while you were saying this, I was going to ask you, did any masters show up in your life? And you answered it yourself. Because I think when you're on this sort of a journey and when you have all of these doors open up to you, it can be very overwhelming. And I know that you have been in difficult situations in the past, but when the whole spiritual world opens up and you're not ready for it, maybe philosophy can give you like a little bit of a beginner's course into it. But then once these things start happening and you mention abilities, yeah, it's it uh, for anyone who's listening, it could sound very um, spooky in a way. So when you talk about abilities, can you define for us what abilities um under for me what, what i was tapping into was you know, the 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 intuition right intuition something that i blocked out for so long and there was a there was a truth that was waiting for me to discover and it started by me creating my highest ideal of goodness of which i can conceive and uh i opened myself up to this idea of um of you know is there room for god in my life Right. Because at the time I was an atheist, right? Maybe mm -hmm. agnostic at best. And I'd been listening to Jordan Peterson, you know, the uh, Canadian psychologist, mm -hmm. and he'd been secularizing Genesis. And that made so much sense, right? As a philosophy nerd, it just made it, it made too much sense. And, you know, the fact that the Bible isn't meant to be taken literally, the Bible is meant to be taken as this, you know, amazing philosophical construct of these oral traditions that have been handed down from, you know, time immemorial. That's just now able to be you know, written down. And when I heard that, that's when I was like, okay, there's something brilliant there. I love that idea. I love that, you know, this is all about how do we become better, right? Throughout the ages, how do we then teach, you know, others, teach mm -hmm. our culture in order to become better? And from that space, I asked myself, well, is there room for God in my life? And once I did that, within about two weeks, I had a vision. I was pumped in my head of a podium. And that podium led me to speaking in front of a church which is like, well, how, how am I going to do that? Mm -hmm. I'm an atheist. I'm just going to walk into a church and say, hey, I got a download from heaven and I'm supposed to yeah. share with you guys. And uh, But the how is none of our business. But when it comes to a spiritual path, it's all about the taking inspired action. Right? When we have inspiration, we take inspired action. The how is none of our business. We just keep that intention. Mm -hmm. And as we keep that intention, we let go of the importance. We let go of the need to make it happen and we allow it to happen. Right, much more, much of a, a kind of a, a flow state, right? Like uh, Lao Tzu, you know, Tao Te Ching might uh, might describe. And once I did that, I really, I really started fellowshipping with a lot of Mormons. I was very free with them that I didn't agree with the LDS uh, dogma. I didn't agree mm -hmm. with their doctrine. I wasn't rude about it, but I let them know that hey, I'm I'm an outsider here, clearly. Uh, but I I wanted to create a bridge between the secular world and the religious world, and by me doing that, I became more spiritual than I even knew like was possible. And when that started happening, I didn't really know what to do with it. And then poof, here comes uh, Saad Guru into my life. Then mm -hmm. Saad Guru really, you know, helped me understand, um, you know, a, a lot of things through his book uh, Inner Engineering. Okay. So I started, so I started meditating a lot. I started following a lot of his advice. Mm -hmm. And then poof. You know, uh, uh, Sadhguru led me to my great mentor, Peter Sage, 
and okay. Peter Sage. Are, oh, are, are, are you familiar with the name? Peter Sage, no, Sadhguru, yes. Okay. Yeah, so Peter Sage, uh, you know, he's a serial entrepreneur, taught me all about consciousness, taught me all about neuroscience, taught me about the physics of consciousness. And it blew my mind. Yeah, it blew my mind. And then he led me to the great master healer who taught me how to heal. And, you know, so I, I guess I've had multiple people mm -hmm. pop into my life, but Sadhguru and like Jordan Peterson, I found on YouTube. You know, Peter Sage and Ed Stracher, I paid handsome sums of money in order to, to teach me because I learned that it's not what we learn, it's who we learn it from. And that's what changes everything. I completely agree. I think that I need to note this down. It's not what we learn, it's who we learn from. That makes such a big difference. And oftentimes, you know, we most of people who are listening to this, including myself, have faced so many situations in our lives and we always think that we're smart enough to figure it out because we're using our intellect and our intellectual mind um, thinking that it's at the top but there are things which are outside of our intellect it's outside of what makes sense sometimes there are things that don't make sense in fact nothing in the world actually makes sense most of us we're trying to put sense into it and we're trying to analyze things and cut things down but when you look at the bigger picture no one really knows what's going on at its best we're assuming a few things so what we like to do is to put our intellect and try to solve things ourselves because of course where then the ego comes in and you think you can do everything by yourself but here's a thing that i want everyone who's listening to understand most of the times there are situations in your life which you're not ready for yes you can get ready for them but it's a great idea to raise up your hand and ask for help whether it's going to YouTube and looking at, you know, some of the work of some people, whether it's going to a trainer, a healer, because chances are they have been through that situation. Your situation might be a bit unique, but they can give you a little bit of pointers or tips. And, you know, that just makes the struggle much less. And we want to keep figuring out. I see this a lot, especially um, a lot around Dubai and, you know, Western societies, modern cities that people just want to do everything themselves. And gone are the days where we have had traditions where, you know, we've lived in villages and in tribes. And every time you have a question, you go and ask someone in the tribe and, you know, there's a leader or there's an elder and then they pass on the elder wisdom. And that's how societies have been growing. But now I think at best we're talking to chat GPT or, you know, something else, but... <laughs> But, you know, this is this is an interesting thing. So we, we speak about healing. And in one of your, I mean, one of the main themes of your work is looking at chronic pain and how chronic pain enters your body. Now, you've been in the military. I've been doing sports all my life. And we know that, you know, there is physical pain. You get hit. It hurts. Could stay for a long time. But I want you to talk about this other sort of a pain that can come from maybe things like unresolved trauma because a lot of people don't think about that sort of pain we only think like oh i just hit myself and like for me i had an ankle lock this morning in jiu-jitsu and it's hurting but if it stays for a very long time it might be something else who knows so if you can share some light on that yeah I, that's a great question and you raised a really interesting point before that you know my path may be unique, but what's not unique are the emotions I felt. 
right? Whether you're dealing with PTSD because of what I went through or childhood abuse because of what I went through, well, I guarantee at some point we all felt like a scared little kid. At some point we all felt trapped. At some point we all felt powerless, right? We all felt like like our our agency was stripped from us. We all felt like our life was falling apart at some point. And so, you know, my feelings were not unique at all. And that's, again, even though we might run into, you know, a mentor or somebody who can help us through a path and their story is unique to ours, the feelings are universal. Now, as far as, you know, ankle lock, for instance, right? So you get an ankle lock and, you know, it's going to uh, suck for a little bit. And uh, that's, you know, going to be expected, right? That's you know, how, that's the body's way of knowing or letting you know, like, hey, there's something not right going on. And what, what's your natural response to tap out? Okay, mm-hmm. that's enough, right? And uh, now, if that pain persists, well, a lot of times it can actually start from, you know, as I was mentioned before, right? I learned to not trust myself. I learned to look at myself as stupid, as an idiot, as somebody worthless. And, you know, if we go back to the 1920s, right, there are incredible great scientists, right? You got Albert Einstein, you got Niels Bohr, you got Max Planck, right? And so Max Planck, what did he say, right? This is a physicist, right? This is a quantum physicist that said consciousness is primary. He said literally everything is consciousness. Everything that we're dealing with is consciousness, is a result of consciousness, they prove that what we call physical matter reality, my hat, your headphones, my glasses, right, our bodies are nothing more than waves of light in the quantum universe that get collapsed into particle matter reality. Which means that, as Einstein said, everything is energy. As Niels Bohr said, everything that we call real is made up of things that cannot be regarded as real. Okay, so now we've got this idea that what we see is not at all what's actually true. Like you said, nothing really makes sense. I mean, does that make sense to the mind? Like, oh yeah, of course it's a collapse. Like, of course we live in some level of a hologram, right? Duh. Right. No, that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that we understand that everything's energy and we can quantify that and prove that well, and if everything's consciousness, well then, you know, what I found, the model of the world that I found is that everything has a spirit, right? Your ankle has a spirit. And so what happens if you tap out because you think your ankle is weak? And you start talking to yourself like, oh, stupid ankle. Oh, this is a worthless ankle. I can't believe that this ankle gave out. Oh, man. Oh, I'm so stupid. I'm so weak. Oh, I can't believe I did that. Well, what sort of signals do you think that you're sending and cascading throughout the spirit of your entire body, specifically your ankle? And so when we beat ourselves up, what happens is we start creating blocks. And since everything's energy, well, let's look at water. Water is a great example of pure energy, right? It's, high, it's you know hydrogen and oxygen. That's it. If water quits flowing, well, what does it do? It stagnates. Mm-hmm. And if water stagnating, what does it attract? Mosquitoes, parasites, right? Viruses, bacteria. And what do they do? Well, they drain the lifeblood or they poison the lifeblood. What does that do? Well, it breaks down the body. Well, then if you go a dimension higher, well, then you've got that in the mind, right? And this can happen when you block the flow. Well, this can happen with you know abuse. Right. Trauma, you know, PTSD, uh, you know, dealing with somebody, maybe, you know, narcissistic abuse. uh, And then you go a dimension higher. Well, then you've got the soul. And, you know, nobody knows the truth of the capital T. So this is the map. 
right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, the map of the world is, again, that, you know, in this, in the uh, spiritual realm, you've got these parasites, you've got these mosquitoes, you've got this bacteria, these viruses. And when the spirit is being drained, when the soul is being drained, well, the soul is in the superset, the body and the mind are in the subset. Which means that if what is the governing agent of the mind and body is being drained, well, then the mind and body will break down as a natural consequence. But if what is the governing agent of the mind and body is at full power, well, then the mind and body will heal as a natural consequence. Which means that you should expect that if your soul is at full strength, once that ankle lock is let go and you've walked it off, it's probably going to feel at least okay unless that dude was a real jerk to you. And, uh, you know, or maybe you just try to tough it out and you stretch the tendon a little bit too far, but the body knows how to heal itself when it doesn't heal itself. It's because something is actively blocking it and pain is a way for your body to send a signal, just like a dash, just like a, a, a light on the dash of a car. That says warning. There's something not right. Go check your engine oil, low high temp, right? Something, something's not right. And, and your body doesn't communicate in words. Right, your body communicates in feelings and emotions. And so when we are feeling guilt, that's usually tied to something that's causing, you know, some sort of block. When we're feeling shame, when we're feeling anger, same thing. When we're feeling pain, same thing. And if we tune into that pain, yeah, the persistent pain that doesn't go away, we might actually find that some memories actually start coming up. And if we start pulling on the thread of those memories, we might actually start finding the root cause. And the ability in order to, you know, how, how to how to take care of it. Now, that said, we may not have the power to be able to take care of it. We may not have the power to heal our soul. But if we open ourselves up to it and we see it's there, and then we ask ourselves better questions, right? So often, like you said, you know, we stick in the realm of the mind. And the mind is so convinced that answers are what's important. Well, an answer, well, an answer you know, unearned is near meaningless. You know, how does an unearned answer really help anyone? You know, uh, but a question, on the other hand, will open up a path. And when it opens up a path, right? And that question could be, you know, how do I get better at jujitsu? Well, by rolling with people, right? By by actually grappling, by actually, you know, um, doing the moves. And as you do that, well, then you become stronger. But if you just get an answer, hey, how do I, you know, if, if you say, hey, I'd I'd like to be better at jujitsu. You know, what is an arm bar? Okay, well, now I know what an arm bar is, but I haven't actually learned the discipline of how to do it. I actually haven't learned how to roll with somebody and get them and manipulate their body into such a way to where then I can maybe, you know, uh, flip, you know, some sort of reverse on them and catch them in an arm bar in order to actually, you know, understand, you know, how does this work to my advantage? And so if we ask ourselves better questions, right, questions are the steering wheel of the mind. And so if we steer our mind in a better question, okay, so now I understand this memory is being housed in my ankle. I may not understand why, but this memory is creating a block in my ankle and my ankle is really sucking right now. Who can help me? Okay, well, maybe you don't have a who. Okay, well, how can I get help, right? And just throw that out. You'll meditate on that. How can I get help for my ankle? And you'll find that the uh, quantum realm will at some point collapse that light wave, that potential and you might see, you know, for me, when I met Peter Sage, it was a YouTube, you know, ad. I never heard of the guy in my life. Mm-hmm. Started watching this YouTube ad, and there was something that just resonated in the deepest part of who I am. You know, and, you know, I moved forward, 
start talking to him. And then I understood, okay, well, this is why. Because everything that he was telling me just made so much sense. Everything he was telling me was filling in all the holes, you know, that the intellect couldn't fill, but the heart, the heart could. You know, because the heart is the true source of our power. It's what taps into our soul. The intellect is what traps. It's what confuses, right? It's it's what gets saying you know, it's you know quite weak. And so often, you know, uh, coming back to Nils Bohr, when we allow ourselves to get confused, we often give up. And Nils Bohr, you know, his son reached out to him and said, "Hey, Dad, right? I've uh, been studying this quantum mechanics, this quantum physics, and it's quite confusing. I don't get it. What gives?" And Niels Bohr responded to him, well, son, you're not thinking. You're just being logical. And so often we stick in a frame of logic thinking that that's all there is, as if the right side of our brain doesn't exist. And the left side of the brain is the only part that exists, as if if we cut half our brain off, somehow we're whole. That doesn't make sense, right? But yeah. we, we, we so often act in these counterintuitive ways and don't really pull back to be like, hey, is there a better way? Hmm. True. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's a very elaborate answer. And um, it, everyone who's listening, if I was you, I would even start taking notes because what wisdom he's sharing is worth revisiting. But I completely agree with you. Everything that we're seeing in this physical reality is a manifestation of lights and particles collapsing in something which in the Indian tradition, we've had a word for it for thousands of years. The word is called Maya which means illusion yeah. and the illusion which our minds perceive and we think it to be the end all be all, but no, it's just an illusion set for you. And sometimes it's a good thing because it allows you to stay in the boundaries of, um, of sanity because some people can, some people cross that boundaries of sanity and they go insane unless and until you're guided and you've had something which is coming up naturally something within you that wants to expand and wants to tap into that quantum resonance or quantum feel. Uh, but there are people who just try everything without any guidance and then they get, it's too much for them. Um, another thing you mentioned, yes, correct. When we speak to ourselves negatively, I think all of us have done it and it affects us really badly. You mentioned water, and there was also a famous research from Dr. Imoto from Japan, where he was he take two he took two cups of water and he would love and say words of appreciation to one, and the other one he would just abuse or you know wouldn't pay any attention. And literally, when they froze the uh, the water, the the shape changes every time. What the one that has been ignored and which has been abused has like a crappy shape and people who are listening to this they can youtube this as well why because water also holds a lot of memory energetically it holds a lot of things so your body is same 78 percent last time i checked your body was water so if you are communicating something you're going to hold a lot of memory not just in your mind but in your cells in your energetic patterns in your soul level there in the indian culture they say that there are different types of bodies you know, there are different, like five different types of bodies from your food body to your mind, having another kind of framework of body than your physical body, than your astral body, your causal body. There's so many of those things, but all of those things can be affected by the way you live your life. And, you know, blocking that chi or ki or prana, this has been 
taken into serious considerations in like a lot of traditions, even the Taoists and the Chinese tradition, they say that if you have pain, it's just a manifestation of some of these memories. And even to a step further, disease in the um, traditional Chinese medicine, if you have a liver problem that shows up later in life, or if you have like a kidney problem, that can be associated with certain kind of emotions like anger or guilt or fear. So sometimes we're always in a certain set of emotions and then we think that we can think whatever and it's not going to affect us because it's just happening inside of us. Actually, that affects you more than everyone or any anything else. More than doing the physical stuff, it's like the internal thing that keeps on building on and on and on. Another thing you mentioned that you had from the beginning were these negative thoughts. So it's not that clear, everyone, but to make it to make it simple, we're just going to classify them into negative or positive. But they go beyond that. So if someone who's listening to this and they have these negative thoughts in their heads, they're not good enough. The ankle is shitty. You know, the day isn't good. Someone's picking on me. And all of these things which are lower vibrations, so they don't allow you to enhance your own vibration. What would be your suggestion for those, like suggestion for those guys? Mm, that's a great question. Well, you know, one thing that can help is uh, if you go to my, uh, you know, webpage, mm -hmm. you know, freemefrompains.com. I've got a free gift there that you can download. And a lot of people have a hard time meditating. Mm -hmm. And so I've got a series of four meditations there where one of them, and they're all relatively short, you know, the, the very first one goes into the benefits of meditation, how it works, why it works. And then I go through a very basic meditation in order to train your mind on how to meditate in order to help you understand that it's not about having no thoughts. It's about not following your thoughts and just observing and stepping back and observing your thoughts. Um, and then I uh, start uh, building them out to tap you into more of the, you know, what might be considered, you know, magical, you know, uh, you know, meditations. And outside of that, there's little, you know, tools that maybe you can use, you know, from the mind, right? Because the mind is quite powerful. And, you know, little tools that we can use are, how can I be my own friend? Mm -hmm. You know, there's enough people beating that, there's enough people in the world that would be more than willing to beat you up right? You don't need to be one too, right? So okay. if you feel, if you feel like you are your own worst enemy, which, you know, my frame of reference is an American, right? So I, I can't really speak from in an authentic place about yeah. anybody else, anywhere else in the world. But as an American, it is incredibly normal to feel like, you know, we're our own worst enemy. Mm -hmm. And even that language, I'm my own worst enemy. Well, what did Jesus say? I am the way, the life, and the truth. Well, what if there was a word missing there? And what if the word was is? I am is the way, the truth, and the life. And we say I am. Well, what, what happened when Moses said I am? I come in the, you know, from, from he who was known as I am, well, he shook an entire nation. He changed the, the you know, the, the map of the world. And mm -hmm. whether we agree with that or not, right? You know, and we can certainly look at it as a parable. Right. It doesn't necessarily need to be looked at as, you know, uh, as actual history. But if we, if we look at it, you know, from that place, well, then we'll find that I am is actually the language of the soul. 
And so often people say, I am diabetic. Hmm. I am arthritic, right? I am, and they're invoking the power of their soul. And then they, and then they go ahead and subscribe to themselves or prescribe to themselves a limiting belief. Mm-hmm. And what is a limiting belief? Well, it's a block. And what does a block do? Well, it stagnates energy. And what does stagnant energy invite? Well, it invites lower vibrational beings, mosquitoes, parasites, you know, bacteria. And so how can you befriend your great I am? And start little, right? If you, you know, you may not feel authentic if you say, hey, I am amazing, right? That might be like, well, man, I don't feel amazing, mm-hmm. right? And so you might find some incongruencies. So what if you just say, I'm not as bad as I've been treating myself? Okay. And start with little steps, right? If if you got a thirteen stairs, you know, a thirteen step stairway, you don't go from the first step to the top step, right? You take a couple, you know, you you go progressively, and do that as well. Move up progressively, and you know, see how you can treat yourself a little bit better, and then the next day maybe a little bit better, the next day maybe a little bit better, and then just get to a point where you can start actually authentically speaking to yourself from a place of value. Because it's so easy to speak to ourselves worse than we'd ever allow anybody else to speak to us. And that is terrible because you can't escape. You know, it, this goes with you everywhere you go. And if, and if you can't quiet the noise in here, well, now you just have this demon that's basically riding you know, your back. That's just poking you everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. Every, every mean thing, you know, that every, everything that you see is stupid or dumb, it's just going to poke you. Oh, look how stupid you are. Look how dumb you are. You know, don't, don't give that demon, you know, any, uh, any more power, mm-hmm. right? Actually start taking action on again. What can I say to be slightly less? If I feel completely miserable worm, well, what's above a miserable worm? Okay. A slightly less miserable worm. All right. I feel like a slightly less miserable worm today. And again, just start building it up and just build it up and to the point where you can actually start feeling authentic and get to a place of meditation because, med- you know, being able to meditate will transform anyone's life. And the reason why is, well, you know, I used to work in uh, medical data analytics and there's this idea that you have to quiet the noise to increase the signal. Any sort of large data set, you have to quiet the noise because every you're going to have all sorts of data and not all that data is relevant. In fact, probably most of it is not relevant. Yeah. And the signal is what's relevant, right? And what where's the signal? Well, you know, you don't really know if all you have is a bunch of static. And, you know, if we start quieting the noise of the mind, the mind that's convinced of its own brilliance, the mind that thinks that the logical frame of the world, the left brain is the only way to exist. Well, then we'll tap into what Einstein said was the true mark of intelligence, which is imagination. Because when we imagine, when we allow ourselves to imagine, well, guess what? The brain doesn't know the difference. But if we put ourselves in a place of, you know, say I want to buy a house, right? And there's a dream house that I have. And I start putting myself in the space of, the next day after signing the paperwork for that house, the brain doesn't know the difference. And so that's really how the law of attraction starts working too. And Neville Goddard talked about this. If you're familiar with Neville Goddard, that feeling is the secret. So he was a, uh, you know, a, a 20th century, you know, uh, mystic and broke down the Bible in a way that was empowering rather than a way of this about a bunch of rules, a bunch of rules to follow, right? That disempowered but a, a way to find that limitless self. And if we put ourselves in a space of feeling amazing, 
right? Whether that's buying a house, whether that's, you know, uh, winning a jujitsu championship, whether that's, you know, asking a girl out, our brain doesn't know the difference. You close your eyes and you beat yourself up. Your brain doesn't know the difference. You close your eyes and you feel amazing. Your brain doesn't know the difference. And so you can actually literally start to train yourself to become a different type of person and create neural pathways in your brain to help you think in different ways, to help you transform into a, a different phase of life simply by using your imagination. And that's what Einstein said is a true mark of intelligence. One of the most brilliant people to ever live said that imagination mm. is intelligence. Oh, that's beautiful. And I know that there are multiple studies being done on violin players and like a lot of different studies where people, one set of group have been asked to play an instrument or, you know, doing the actual physical thing. And the other group of people were just um, told to imagine that they were doing it and like feel it every day. And results for the both group of, both the groups were the same. And they tapped into the same Hebb's law where neurons that wire together, fire together. So they were constantly rewiring their neural pathways to match the same as they were doing the moment outside. So this isn't woo-woo thing. If anyone who's listening, yep, you know, gone out of the days where we could have said that, hey, you know, try this and this works. Now we can quantify it. You can actually open PubMed or go to any, any research uh, paper and look at the research, look at what's been actually duplicated where with, of course, millions of dollars, what people have been saying in the past all the time, like, you know, Einstein, people before them, they have been talking about, you know, just think about doing it or just imagine doing it or just feel doing it. Bring the feeling inside like Joshua mentioned. And also, and here's another question that I want to ask you, because this is the biggest confusion that I see within people. There is a big set of people that say, okay, you know, their affirmations either wake up in the morning, tell yourself, I'm going to be rich. I'm, I'm here. I'm there. I'm going to get the girl of my dreams. I'm going to get the job of my dreams. But they never feel it. Mm. The, so what's your take on affirmations, your personal take? Do they work? Do they not work? Or, and what do you see people doing wrong or right? I think affirmations can work. You know, uh, and I think that they always will work and they may work against us in some ways, because if we don't feel the feeling, you know, for instance, you know, if we affirm to ourselves that we're a millionaire or our mind might be like, well, bro, you looked at the bank lately. Right. And and so what happens is it creates a negative feeling. Mm -hmm. And so what does that negative feeling do? Well, it, it manifests that it draws that it attracts that. And so the important thing is. What would it feel like if I were a millionaire? Mm -hmm. And and start to imagine that and start to think upon that and ponder upon that. You know, what would it feel like to me if I were a millionaire? And and don't think of the money, right? Because the, the heart doesn't care. The heart doesn't understand money, mm -hmm. right? The brain understands money. Think about what would you do if you were a millionaire, right? Who would you help? How would you contribute? How would you be you know, connected more to your community? How would you give love back to those that you love, right? How would you share that wealth? How good would you feel by doing that? And put yourself in that space and then say, I'm a millionaire. Mm -hmm. And it may not happen overnight. You know, for instance, you know, when we, you know, when we are tapping into the law of attraction, 
right? We may not just get a suitcase full of money that's going to drop in our lap. But what may happen is, you know, and I'll share with you an anecdote from my own life. You know, I was uh, on the Entangled podcast by this, you know, great gentleman, uh, Jordan Euclid. Well, after I was done, he said, hey, man, if you are ever in Denver, let me know. Sweet. Sounds good. I don't know the next time I'll ever be in Denver, but, you know, uh, and then I was part of a coaching program. And when that coaching program got to the end, they said, hey, we've never done this before ever in our lives. But what we want to do is we want to give everyone a free access to a workshop that costs $5,000 to get to. It's like, okay, well, I just manifested a 5K gift. Well, that didn't go, that wasn't money in my wallet, but it was 5K of value. And where you have to go in order to be part of this workshop is either Miami or Denver. Sweet. Oh, yeah. So I reached out to Jordan and said, hey, man, I'm actually going to be in Denver. You know, and he said, great, dude. I'll go ahead and, you know, you're more than welcome to stay in my guest bedroom. Okay, well, so now I don't have to get a hotel. Okay, well, that's cool. So then I show up to Denver and... You know, there is, uh, you know, a friend of mine who lives in Boulder, you know, very meaningful to me. You know, she's my accountability partner uh, and, you know, I you know, love her to death and been really wanting to meet her. Well, then the opportunity presented itself there. So that was the other value in my life. And then when I was at the workshop, right, when the workshop, the first day of the workshop was ending and I was about ready to go back to Jordan's place, well, I get a text from him. Like right as I was about ready to start leaving, I had a text from him because synchronicities are awesome. And that text said, hey, I'm actually at a friend's house. You should stop by. Okay, well, that's perfect timing. I guess I will. You know, let's see where this, you know, where this breadcrumb leads me. So it leads me to a lady who's got Lyme disease, right? His friend. Okay. So she needs, you know, help. Even says, hey, I'm very interested in what you do. I'd love to maybe work with you. Hmm. Okay. So then, you know, I was talking to her. I was like, you know, she doesn't really have a whole lot of money. But she's got a network of people whole network of people that could use a whole lot of help. Mm -hmm. Okay. So is there a way for us to trade value for value? What if I took her through some healing sessions and she in turn is a living example and you know, of what I can do and is also my, a raving fan. And within a few days, she's already got, you know, three people who are very interested in working with me. Okay. So I didn't get a suitcase full of cash that dropped in my lap. But I have all these things that are, are adding up to abundance in the white life. And so often we demand abundance can only be something that walks into my front door. But what if it wants to come down the chimney? What if mm -hmm. it wants to come through the back door? What if it wants to come through a window? And if we demand it can only come in one way where we block ourselves from ever seeing it. And there's what's called the reticular activating system, which is part of the mind that we can train to look for these things, train to look for these synchronicities. And it's almost like a bouncer in front of a club. And, you know, if there's something that, that you know, doesn't uh, need, you know, to, to be in our awareness, that bouncer will look at the clipboard and be like, hey, you ain't on the guest list, bro. Get out of here. Right. And, you know, a, a good example of that can be, you know, imagine you drive to work every day and, you know, you drive on your path, you know, don't really pay attention to a lot of the shops, you know, on the way to work. But then one day your kid says, hey, you know, daddy, hey, mommy, I'd really like a bike for my birthday. And the very next day you're driving to work. Oh, my God. What happens to be there? A bike shop mm -hmm. on your way to work. What? Wait, did that just get built? Did that just appear overnight? No. It just had no reason to be in your awareness. But since your reticular activating system is like, oh, bikes are important to me now. 
you're now looking for bikes to be important. And if we train ourselves to see abundance as more than just money, we'll start to see other things come into our life. And when we are grateful for those, well, then more things will compound and more things will compound because what we, you know, what we give gratitude for, well, we're going to get you know more back. What we put energy into, we're going to energize. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's a fantastic example. Thank you for sharing that. It's funny because, um, you know, I like to tell people the same example. I like to tell people, like, if you wanted to buy a car and you set your eyes on, let's say, a Jeep, and then the next day when you're driving, you're going to see Jeeps everywhere. They were, they were always there, like you mentioned, but our brain has this unique ability of, you know, at any given time, we have about 11 million bits of information around us, and our brain can only grab around 25 bits. So it has to filter through a lot of things. That's why, you know, that's why a lot of people these days are self-proclaimed ADD and ADHD. But basically, you're just having too much of information in your brain. It's just trying to scatter those up. And by using this technique that Joshua mentioned, everyone, you can actually invite all of those things into your life. And that's super exciting because all you had to do was to be a bit more conscious and one other thing that I, I see around Joshua is that a lot of people will have a lot of these synchronicities in their life, a lot of this magical things happening, but they just don't notice it. I mean, sometimes there are other people who have to come them come to them and tell them that because they're not in a negative rut, but their lens on reality is a little bit different and they're just picking up on all the negative things. But there are all these great things that are happening, which they never kind of like connect. And thank you for mentioning gratitude because once our minds, unless you have trained them quite a lot or you grew up in a family where you've learned to have a different lens on reality, we have a higher chance of a negative bias. So that means every time we look at into a situation, our uh, and the way our mind is, is that the information goes through the emotional processing part of our brain, the amygdala, and then it goes to the more logical sides of our brain, like the prefrontal cortex. So your emotion, fear, mostly fear, will take the information first, and you're going to see the negative in things before you see, start seeing the positive. But if you get stuck in that, then you never allow for the thing to show you the positive side. And gratitude is that magical thing, because most of the times, because we're bombarded with information, we're designed to forget the good things, but we're designed to remember the bad things. So even if something great has happened to you in the morning, chances are in the evening, you're not even going to remember about it because the brain is designed to do this until and unless you bring in this extra step of being grateful and maybe writing down what you're grateful for or really feeling, bringing a you know, taking one step ahead and, you know, going and telling someone like an accountability partner or your friend and telling your, them that, hey, this is something really great that happened in my life and I'm really grateful for it. This is how you train your mind to now start looking for things which actually make you grateful. So I love it. Thanks for sharing that. I think this is such a fantastic thing that all the listeners can take and they can incorporate in their lives today. So we spoke about negative emotions. Let's talk about some positive ones or like a little bit higher vibration whenever i see people and you know people who've got a lot of wisdom people who have tapped into spirituality 
they're never very serious. You know, you can see people, people, it's maybe it comes with age as well, but people start getting a bit more lighter perspective on life, maybe because they think it's an illusion. Maybe they think, you know, things are in a cycle. They're going to come and go. Emotions are going to come and go, but they always have a much more lighter aspect to life. But when you have a more serious aspect to life, when you're taking things too personally, too seriously, that puts you in a lower vibration. Now, what I see is people who have a good sense of humor, people who laugh at everything, people who just just want to like shake it off and, you know, just they're smiling at everything. They have even situations, better situations happen to them. And they're again, they're in this positive mood. So do you want to talk to uh, talk to us about some of these positive emotions and maybe how can we bring that into our life should we all go for stand-up comedy or what what should we do to become a bit lighter so you know what started going through my mind is um there's this parable of you know the buddha and he you know went to a town to go speak and as he's speaking and he's sharing his thoughts you know there's somebody in the crowd who's just mad and he's just berating the Buddha and he's yelling at the Buddha and the Buddha pays him zero attention. Doesn't even acknowledge his presence. Mm -hmm. This guy's still yelling. Buddha doesn't pay any mind. Then after everything's done, right? This guy goes up to the Buddha and is like, hey, what's going on? I was sitting there yelling at you. I'm so angry. I've been calling you all these names. You didn't even respond. And the Buddha said, if you try to give a gift to somebody and they refuse it, Whose gift is it really? Mm -hmm. And the guy said, well, I guess it's mine. Exactly. Exactly. And so the thing is, is just because you are laughing things off, just because you're in a higher vibrational state doesn't mean that only good things happen. Mm -hmm. Really shitty things can happen. But guess what? When we build a wall around ourselves because we are afraid of the bad things happening, a wall doesn't discriminate. A wall doesn't know, oh, that's a good thing. Let me go ahead and let the wall down and let these good things in. And so when we build these walls around our heart, around our mind, because we're so afraid of being hurt, we're blocking the good too. And so often, you know, the, the world works in a non-linear capacity, right? There's no such thing as a straight line except in the mind of a human. And if you truly think that a straight line truly is the shortest distance between, you know, two points, Get in your car and drive to the grocery store on a straight line and see how well that works. Right. Driving through people's mm -hmm. houses, through their fences and, you know, yeah. ah, get out of the way. Right. And getting so, caught on the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so if you look at a river, well, what does a river do? Well, it, it, it winds. And if we understand that we are actually on the right river and if we quit fighting the stream and quit, you know, trying to swim upstream, but instead give into the flow. And start tuning into, you know, maybe it's Taoism, maybe it's Buddhism, right? I certainly love Tao, you know, uh, the Tao Te Ching. And we start allowing life to happen and receive the world instead of demand that it better show up through that front door, mm -hmm. but receive it as it is. Well, you know, even, you know, great philosophers have known that being that lighthearted person is the way to go, right? If you look at Friedrich Nietzsche, Right. He was a very serious person, but he understood that the vast majority of people are just lost and they're just trying to survive. 
And then of the people who want to start following the path of the Ubermensch, right, the psychologically superpowered person, well, the first stage is the camel. Well, the camel is the martyr stage. And martyrs don't live very long. Hence, martyrdom, right? And so what does the camel do? Well, who is so noble that they'd be willing to bend the knee and to go ahead and saddle themselves with all the woes of the world? CJ, it looks like you got some real problems. Let me go ahead and take those from you. From you. And you can put them on my back. Well, guess what? There's no shortage of people that are like, oh, sweet. Let me go ahead and load, load that onto you, right? And then what happens to that camel? Well, its legs start trembling and it collapses. And then it dies. It gets crushed by all those burdens. Mm-hmm. Well, the next phase is the lion. You know, and, and th- so there's the cultural dragon, right? That basically is what demands that, oh, if you're going to be a good person, you better do that. Look at that person hurting. Well, you better go ahead and take that from them. And the lion, when the dragon says, you know, thou shalt, the lion says, no, I will. I will my own path. Now, when we demand that, you know, the cultural dragon is wrong and we are the, you know, that we, you know, can prove our own path. Well, that right there is a little bit of swimming upstream, right? Because we're we're fighting, we're fighting that dragon constantly. And then the path of the psychologically superhuman, right? Mm-hmm. You could we might look at this as you know, um, as you know, Superman, right? Some super huge, strong, you know, Hercules. But no, it's that of the mind of a child, somebody who just laughs things off. Oh, look at that! I was building a block tower and it fell apart. Huh. Mm-hmm. You know, look at that! I had some expectations and didn't go the way that you know I expected. Oh, well, that's funny. What do you mean that's funny? Isn't it important for you to to make sure that this manifests in your life? Well, maybe it's more important that I live a good life. And then if I know I'm in the right river and I know that the river is taking me to my destination and I know that eventually my destination is going to be on the, on, on the right side and the river winds left. Well, okay. Well, it's nonlinear. I can't see around that bend in the river. Mm-hmm. But chances are that river's going to take me somewhere that I didn't expect. It's going to show me something that I didn't expect. And it might actually give me a gift if I keep my vibrations high enough. And if we are feeling those negative emotions, well, we feel heavy because we're more particle, right? We're vibrating at a, at a much you know, a, you know, lower frequency. But if we're feeling joy, we're feeling love, we're feeling inspiration, we're feeling gratitude, well, now we're much more wave and we feel much lighter. And we feel much more airy. We feel like things can't really hold us down, right? You know, like we're, we're, we're just like skipping across the ground. And I think that's the important understanding is that, you know, somebody who falls into a pile of shit and comes out shining like a diamond, well, that's not on accident, right? That's not just a happy accident. That's because of the way that they look at the world. Mm-hmm. And they look for, okay, how can this be a value in my life? Rather than like, oh, Oh, this again. Oh, my God. Why does this always happen to me? And if we understand that the universe is self-reflective, right? If consciousness is everything, Mm -hmm. and if we ask the question, why does this always happen to me? The only possible answer we can get is, oh, this is why. Oh, here's also why. Here's also, oh, why am I such an idiot? Oh, here's why. Oh, here's another reason why. Here's also why. But if we start asking better questions, hey, I know I just fell into this pile of dog crap. But how could this be a benefit for me? Well, I don't know. Maybe maybe somebody saw you. And they'll reach out and be like, hey, you know, I feel so bad. Let's go ahead and get you taken care of. 
Maybe that mm-hmm. person can actually start, you know, um, has something to benefit, you know, for you. Maybe they've got some wisdom. Maybe they can show you something. Maybe they're cute, right? Maybe you'll start a relationship, right? Maybe they were looking for somebody who could deal with, you know, some, uh, some, something, you know, emotionally disturbing and not freak out like a little boy. Cause mm-hmm. women, you know what? Women don't like boys. They like men. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people who are brittle and break easily don't make for good partners. And so if we allow ourselves to be as that of a child that just laughs things off, eh, oh, well, it happens. Let's deal with it. Yeah, and these people also have this unique ability of seeing things as they are. Because what I notice is when I talk to people, and there are multiple communication exercises based on this principle as well. You could tell a story to five people in the room, and if you kind of take away either their the way they're interpreting words or you know you have some noise in the room everyone's going to interpret that story and going to think about it in a different way so we all have our preconceived notions our you know things that have happened things would have happened till like age 7 our psychological and subconscious mind sees things differently but when you want, when you can be in that awareness and then consciousness and have all of these things in the back of your mind and see things exactly as they are, that changes the game for most people. Where you don't bring your own biases and you don't bring, you know, for for example, for you or for someone else. I grew up as an obese kid, so I always had this voice in my head and people telling me, "Oh, you're so fat. You're not, never going to be good." All of that stuff. But when I look at situations and that voice comes in my head, that's going to change the complete situation. Maybe the situation wasn't even that. And, you know, most of the times we always think we have this magic crystal ball, especially when it comes to others, because we always assume what people are thinking. But the reality is no one gives a shit. No one's even thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. They're not, you know, in your, in like in your 20s, you keep on thinking, oh, everyone's thinking about me. In your 30s or 40s, you're, you're just like, oh, these guys, you know, I should have done this. As you get older, there, there's a quote on this. I, I cannot remember who mentioned this, but but as you get older, you realize like no one was looking in the first place. And you just made all these stories and you're suffering in your head. It's like, like you said in the beginning, if you can self-sabotage yourself, like if you and me are sitting in a room and I'm suffering, I can pass the blame on you. Be like, ah, it's Joshua. Every time I sit with this guy, I feel crazy. If you're sitting by yourself, Man, definitely you're in bad company. So you need yeah. to make sure that you change. And Joshua, really, like this conversation has been so amazing. But I want to go ahead and ask you. So, for example, if you start and you work with so many people from all over the world, what's a typical process of healing look for you? Mm. Does it start off with you know, inquiring about the person? Do you give the person a few exercises like meditation, the miracle healing system? How does, if someone comes to you, what does the whole process look like? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, I do talk to them. I find out what's going on. You know, now, the more story we put into it, typically the harder it is to let it go, right? Because then there's also a lot of what are called secondary gains. Right. So if I start talking about how miserable my life is, I expect other people to come and share love with me. Like they're there, Joshua. It's okay. (gasps) There's the connection I was looking for. Right. Mm -hmm. And the same way that a kid acts out in order to get attention from their parents. Mm -hmm. 
right? They're still getting attention, whether it's from a negative source or a positive source, they're still getting the attention they wanted. And so there's a lot of things called secondary gains. And um, so it's important for people to understand that do they truly want to get to, to heal? Do they truly even believe that they can heal? Right? Because no matter how powerful or how talented I am as a healer, who do you think your body's going to listen to me or you yourself? Yeah. And so I do, I also like to find out, um, you know, who do they, you know, who do they really love? Right. Is there a, you know, typically I like to invoke uh, powerful imagery. A lot of times that's going to come in the form of babies, puppies, or kittens. Right. And uh, there's a, a guy I'm working with right now who's got muscular dystrophy. And within days of working with him, right? Normally, like he wakes up, his neck is fine, but by the end of the day, his head's like hanging. It's really hard for him to uh, to keep his head up. And within days of working with him, well, his head's his neck's just fine now. And he's had cats, you know that that he loved, just loved them. So I bring in that powerful, you know, that powerful imagery because love is what heals. Right, love and opening ourselves up to love. Right, that's that's the language of the soul. The soul wants to love, and when we allow ourselves to love, well, that's what starts cascading into healing. And it's all about quieting the mind, right? And so when I'm working with somebody, you know, I can actually tune in and find out if their mind's active, and so I'll I'll guide them on exercises that they can do, what they can tune into to allow their mind to just relax, allow their you know their mind just to you know flatline at that zero. So their heart can 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 take hold, and um, there you know I, I use a lot of words and I use a lot of philosophy and I use a lot of language or, to describe the healing process and kind of what we've been going through and what we've been talking about for the last hour. But words can only be as the traditional Buddhist metaphor of a finger pointing to the moon. If you focus on the finger, you ain't gonna see the moon, and. That's why it's important to understand that, right? The feeling is the secret. Again, Neville Goddard. And if I, you know, when I get somebody to that place of their mind being still, their heart is open and it just swells with love, well, then I guide them on what to do. I connect them to, you know, different, you know, healing energies from heaven and from earth. I connect them to the different powerful imagery. I connect them to, you know, again, if we live in a hologram, like connect them to very powerful symbols that they can create that'll then magnify that energy, that'll then purify that energy, that'll then cascade that energy through every part of their body. And then I get them to start visualizing what they want and concentrate on what they want. And then, you know, I even uh, worked with a lady from South, uh, South Africa and she had a, uh, a, a torn tendon in her bicep, right? So I'm sure that, you know, you hang around enough, uh, you know, uh, you know, people who do martial arts or sports, you're going to find people with some messed up tendons. Well, hers was from, you know, uh, her you know, husband was wasting away in a nursing care facility and he weighed about a hundred pounds more than her and the nursing staff didn't take care of him. So she'd have to go and take care of him and roll him over and try and try to lift him up and end up tearing her tendon. And it got to the point where even just trying to reach out her, her car window, you know, in order to, you know, to, to grab a, uh, like a parking ticket, parking validation to, to park in a parking lot. She said it literally would bring her to her knees. She couldn't reach above her head to a cupboard 
because the same thing would bring her to her knees, how much extreme pain. She went to a orthopedic surgeon, didn't help. Went to a chiropractor, didn't help. Went to, you know, physio, didn't help. Went to about seven different special specialists. And she said, the only thing they did is make it worse. It just made it more painful. I worked with her. I took her through a meditation. Within four days, she could reach out that car window with no pain. She could reach up to her cupboard with no pain. And within four days, she's had this problem for years. Within four days, she had 30% more movement in her arm. 30%. Within three weeks, she had 70% more movement in her arm. I've never heard of anything in the medical in the medical system that can do that. Mm -hmm. Because medical is more worried about chemistry. What pill can we give you? And chemistry is a lower vibration. But if we think in terms of frequency, well, frequency beats chemistry every time over time, hands down. And so I really help people tap into the right frequencies and to quiet the mind so the heart and the soul, which know, or they know the truth. And so you'll you'll literally feel, you know, I've had people tell me I didn't realize I could physically feel the energy. Yeah, that's right. Blew my mind too. When I first started getting trained by the great master, Ed Stracher, who's, you know, spent a, a lot of time in uh, the, uh, the Philippines, as well as in Thailand, you know, his, uh, I believe his godson, you know, Eddie Jr. even lives in Thailand. I'm not sure which part though, but he's known as, uh, you know, Eddie Healing Jr., if I recall. And, you know, uh, you know, they, um, you know, as I, as I was learning from them, right, physically feeling the energy throughout my body, like, holy crap, right? And when you physically feel it, well, that's a great way for the brain to be like, oh, okay, I get it. This is a real thing. This yeah. is an absolutely real thing. And that's what makes it a lot easier for the left brain. So I usually use all these words. I use all this philosophy just so the left brain can be like, oh, okay, I kind of see how this works. I don't quite get it yet. Of course you don't because you haven't experienced it yet. Mm -hmm. right? We can talk about jumping out of an airplane, but you'll never know what it's like until you jump out of an airplane. Right. And, you know, so the mind is a defense mechanism. If it doesn't feel safe, it's going to be looking all around and it's being active all day long. And the mind is meant to be an antenna, an antenna for what? The heart. Right? The heart's got about 40,000 neurons in it. And the heart is constantly sending signals to the brain. The brain almost never sends any signals to the heart. And so the, mm -hmm. but what happens when the, when the mind's so convinced of its brilliance, it closes off the circuitry that allows it to be an efficient antenna. Or if you want to look at the river metaphor, a rudder right? And the heart is the motor. And, you know, since we live in a fractal universe, well, we can look at, okay, well, are there other things in the universe that would, you know, uh, show this exact same, you know, uh, you know, uh, type of relationship? Well, look at a planet, right? You know, the, the, the brain's full of all the electrical, you know, the, the, uh, the electricity and the, and the heart is full of all the you know, magnetism. Okay. Well, let's look at the atmosphere of Jupiter, well, that's where all the you know electrical storms are, but guess you know, do, you know guess how many of those electrical storms exit the atmosphere of Jupiter? Zero. Big old goose egg. But the magnetosphere that's created from its core, its heart, well, it extends beyond the asteroid belt. It extends beyond Mars. It actually reaches Earth's orbit. Wow. Even I think the Earth, uh, sorry, the heart's magnetic. Um, magnetic range is about 5,000 times more powerful than the brain's. 
right? So our hearts can actually communicate magnetically. This is also one of the reasons why you come into a room and probably you don't know the person, but if they're they're I mean, some people call it aura, some people call it their magnetic sphere, but it's so strong that you can feel a person's emotion. You can feel if it's the right person to talk to or not. And it even happens with horses. If you're nervous around the the horse, the horse's HRV and their magnetic field will turn to match yours. That's why some people can just go and they're confident and the, the horse doesn't give them any trouble. And some people are just a little bit scared and then the horse goes crazy because we're, we're, and that's internally made. We just need to tap into it. You just need to be aware of it, practice, like we said, maybe get some gratitude and you can tap into these fields. So, wow, that's interesting. And another question, do you have to be with this person that you're healing or can it be done remotely? I know the answer, but I want it for the uh, listeners. Yeah, no, I appreciate the question. And uh, just real quick before I answer that, you know, again, the feeling is the secret. Why? Because the law of attraction well, it is magnetic. Mm-hmm. So it means it comes from the heart, not the mind, which is why you're supposed to feel that because when you're feeling it, well, guess what? You're going to start to take inspired action. And, you know, uh, you know, words are about, a a hundred times more powerful than thoughts alone. And so actions are going to be even more powerful than just words. Um, But as far as do I have to be with somebody? No, it's all done over zoom, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's all non-local, right? Energy doesn't, you know, know, non-locality, right? We've got, you know, quantum entanglement. All I have to do is just tune in and I don't have to be there at all. I mean, I've worked with people in New Zealand, South Africa, Malaysia, all across the U.S., Canada, and you know across five different uh, you know Germany, uh, you know um, England, you know so uh, you know across five different continents, and that's the amazing thing here is that you know there are you know there are things such as you know energy healing, right? Like Reiki, and typically that takes somebody to be present there, and you actually have to you know put your hands on them. And the most amazing thing is that you can feel the energy probably more powerful than you've ever felt, you know, anything in your life. Um, and, you know, I might be five, six, 7,000 miles away. Hmm. Okay, perfect. This is, this is good for everyone to clearly understand. Well, Joshua, thank you for coming on the show. It's been an amazing time. We could go on talking for hours because I think we can both vibe in the same frequency. Uh, Maybe we should do a part two of this. We'll see what the listeners feel like and probably we'll do another one. But my last question to you before I let you go, because I know it's quite late there and I want to be mindful of your time. Uh, If you had a time machine or let's say you could go back in time, meet your younger self. If knowing everything that you know right now, if you could give yourself one piece of advice, what would that be? Mm. I'm sure there are many pieces of advice going through your head. <laughs> so I guess the first thing that popped in my head is um, it's kind of, you know, kind of silly, mm-hmm. but there's a, there's a song from the movie Lyle, Lyle Crocodile. And it's look at us now. Right. Mm. Even as the world is falling apart, well, look at us now. Look at look at the way that you know what we we did it. We made it. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Just uh, relax. 
don't take things so seriously. Right. And I don't, I don't know the, the, the first, you know, the, if I could only say one thing and I blipped out of existence, that's so hard to say, but it'd be something along those lines. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, so that, that's a hard one. Right. Because then, you know, you say, well, there's this, but then I'd like to say that. And yeah, yeah. that's a, that's a real rabbit hole to jump down. Mm. No, but this is good enough. Thank you for sharing that. I think a lot of people who are listening, especially the younger ones uh, need to listen to this because we always, we live in a culture and a society where we're go, go, go. And we're like robots, but you know what guys, in the end of it all, if you've taken something from this conversation, just know that don't take yourself so seriously. Mm-hmm. Don't put unnecessary pressure onto yourself. The world is going to tell you to do a lot of things. Yeah. Sometimes you've got to listen, but don't let the world affect you. Be that company that, is going to make you happy, make you joyful, make you energetic. And like Joshua mentioned, you're not a half, you're a full. You came to this world already being a full. Yeah, the culture, the society, your parents, they might have like disturbed that a little bit. But in the end, when you want to find your true self, it'll always be there. So don't take yourself so seriously. Joshua, thank you so much for coming to this website. Thank you for creating so many. Thank you for actually healing so many people. Thank you for creating all of these different concepts in your own way. Of course, they were there, but like sharing it in a profound way where you make it so simple and so interesting. And um, what's your website again? So people can download the gift. Uh, Yeah, I appreciate that. So it's uh, freemefrompains.com. So pains is plural and yeah, download the free gift and and look, I wasn't born this way. Right. I, and also I'm nobody special, right? It's not like I'm more special than CJ or even that CJ is more special than me. Right. I'm just a regular person. And as far as, you know, don't take life so seriously, you know, I kind of want to come back to just real quick if I can. Of course. Point that you made a point that you made earlier about how most people don't care. You know, 80% of the people, don't care about your problems, no matter how much you might be crying about them. 80% of the people don't care and 20% of the people are happy you have them. (laughs) And when you realize that, it liberates you because then you can let go of the burden of needing to to talk about that. And because any physicist or neuroscientist will tell you that the mind attracts that which it dwells upon. So download those free gift, that free gift, uh, dwell upon healing, And see how your life will start to transform. Yep. And you can get in touch with Joshua from there. He works with people from all over the world. So you don't have to be next to him. It's not not this. What we're talking about is non-local, non-physical in nature. So Joshua, thank you so much for coming onto this show. I really appreciate you. And I'll tell you this. If you're ever in Dubai, so now you can manifest this. Let me know. And I would love to have a coffee with you and, you know, hang out. Oh, that'd be awesome, man. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely let you know. Yeah, that'd be great. Awesome. And this is your host, CJ, signing out from the Shift with CJ podcast. I hope you had a lot of fun, just like I did on today's podcast. Have a great day. Have a great week. Have a great lifetime because you're complete. I'll see you in the next podcast. Your time and presence with us through this podcast is highly appreciated. If you want to learn more, then head over to our website, 
www.shiftwithcj.com.